0: Hey everyone, this episode of the Cloudcast is sponsored by PagerDuty. PagerDuty is the hub of your IT operations and ensures that the right folks are alerted at the right time to increase your uptime. PagerDuty's analytics help you identify common problems, allowing you to make system improvements before they impact your customers. Advanced filters and deduplication ensure that only actionable alerts get delivered. No more false alarms at 2 a.m. And now, multiple team members can seamlessly share on-call duty. To sign up for a free 14-day trial, Visit pagerduty.com slash thecloudcast. And now, on to the show. Cloudcast Media presents, from the massive studios in Raleigh, North Carolina, this is the Cloudcast with Aaron Delft and Brian Gracely, bringing you the best of cloud computing from around the world. Good morning, good evening wherever you are. Welcome to our first Donut-free Cloudcast of 2015 coming to you live from the uh, massively donut detoxing Cloudcast Studios here in very very cold Raleigh, North Carolina.
1: Uh, Aaron, how are you tonight, man? Good, man. Good. Yeah, the the race was fun. Yeah, raised was a lot fun. of money, kept the donuts down. Actually, won the challenge for the first time.
0: Yeah, yeah. So we, so you, you, you completed 12. I was six, so I didn't get through all of them. But you, uh, you got all the donuts in the whole run in an hour. So you uh, completed the challenge, and we. Thanks to the community, I think we did about $4,200, and we won the uh, the sort of Community Challenge Cup. So uh, thank you every, once again to everybody, and as we do every year, thank you to everybody who made a donation, big and small, and uh, and helped the kids. So thank you very, very much. Tonight's guest, uh, good friend of the show, longtime friend of the show. Welcome back, Nick Weaver. Hey, uh,
2: hello from sunny, mild Portland.
0: Yeah. <laughs> we, uh, we always said we were going to try and get you to be much more of a regular guest, so good to have you back on. Um, thank you for having me. So first things first, uh, you are hiring. I've seen you sort of actively
2: hiring. What what are you hiring for? I got two positions right now where we have open. One is for a SDN architect, so software defined networking architect. We're looking for somebody who has um, pretty strong networking background, but really kind of is just as comfortable at you know DevOps style stuff, code, kind of like a hybrid person who's got a good network background but started migrating over to controlling tro- things through software and wants to really expand that out and the role is really about being an intel and ha- helping link the sides of our house that deal with stuff like designing network cards and writing software for kernels and and helping accelerate things like OpenStack. and it's a pretty cool role because you get to play in a lot of really cool areas okay cool and all, and, all these folks you're hiring have to be in Portland, right? Uh, Portland or uh, Bay Area. I can hire in either one of those areas right now. But we are offering relocation. Um, And the other job is uh, focused on – it's actually directly on my prototyping team. So you get to work with um, all kinds of crazy ideas and building stuff. And specifically in this one gets to actually work with part of the Cloud Foundry project to do stuff like helping the Cloud Foundry team find – let Cloud Foundry Foundation find ways to accelerate pieces of uh, Cloud Foundry and hack away at it and get to write and go and do all kinds of really cool stuff. So, ah, All right. Very, very cool. And very you nice. are uh,
0: you are recently named onto the board, correct, for Cloud Foundry?
2: Yeah. I'm honored to be Intel's um, seat on the board, Platinum Spot. And I'm really stoked that your longtime um, guest – uh, Sam is the CEO. He's an, I, I just got to meet him recently, and he is like an amazing dude. I know. We were going to have
0: Sam on uh, last week or earlier this week, and we screwed up the scheduling as normal. So we will get Sam back on uh, sooner <laughs> than later. I think,
2: I think of all the cool things about the Cloud Foundry Foundation, I think the, the chance to get to meet Sam and get to know him has been like one of the coolest parts of it. Yeah, he's a
0: good dude. He's a very, very good dude. He was, he was one of the very first people that uh, Christian Riley told us we should have on the show like four years ago. So he's been a good dude for a long time. All right, man. Um, so let's let's dig into. So we'll put we'll put the links to your uh, to your hirings because we know lots of folks are, are always looking for interesting stuff. Uh, so let's let's dive into some stuff that I know you've been digging into a bunch uh, in different ways. Let's let's talk a little bit about containers. Um, you know, everybody at this point is pretty familiar with Docker. We've had those guys on a few times. We've talked about Docker. Uh, we talked a little bit about the sort of the you know core OS coming out with an alternative with Rocket and. Give us the basics of there was a little bit of a of a thing that went on this last week where uh, CoreOS proposed this sort of application container or application APPC, like, give us the basics just at a technology level, like, what's the what's the alternative that that CoreOS is talking about, like, from a technology perspective? uh, You know, what other types of problems might they be
2: trying to solve? Yeah, I mean, you you can slice this a couple different ways. So even my perspective on it is not – I'll share kind of what I've seen and kind of in talking to both sides of it and people in the middle, kind of like what I think personally. And um, But really, honestly, there's so many different sides to it. And it really – when you look at it, it, can, it, it your perspective and, and what it, what the parts that matter to you can differ if you're a sys administrator that manages hundreds of thousands of Linux servers and you want to do containers. Versus if you're an application developer, versus if you're a vendor wanting to work in the ecosystem. So it's really hard to say, you know, black and white. The rocket is this, and Docker is that. Right. And and it's that's not easy to do. So I definitely want to kind of put a little asterisk on what I'm about to say because really, really, any person that really wants to know this stuff should go get invested to play with both of them, to look at the roadmaps and really get involved. And um, because you may be surprised which one works for you. You may think, oh, I I, I want to do CoreOS and Rocket's the thing, and find out Docker works really well for what you need, and vice versa. So, but getting down to it, um, so what we're really talking about with Docker, and the Rocket thing, is only a portion of Docker's ecosystem, and it's 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 um, runtime, right? So runtime is when I want to launch a container, and a part of that is also the ACI standard on the Rocket side, the um, uh, which is. A standard way of of defining what a Linux container is or what a container is, right? And so uh, the CoreOS people have gone off and said, Look, we want, we, we kind of like the Docker image, but we want to do something a little more. There's some things we like better. Um, Docker will say, Hey, no, you just kind of wanted your own standard. And, you know, you don't really want to go base it off ours. And you, you can argue the political stuff there, but ultimately they, they designed a standard, ACI. It's an open proposal. Anybody can contribute. And then they went and built because Docker didn't support it because they didn't know about it. Fair enough. You know, fair enough yeah. to Docker. Um, they went and wrote a runtime, um, a real alpha look quality. I mean, just real base. They, they admitted it was alpha runtime for building a container and launching a container based off of that standard. Okay. And so that's what
0: started. So is this is this just like different format than than Docker files
2: or what's the? Yeah, I mean, ultimately. Where does it fit? I mean, here's the way I look at it, so they're actually really, really close um, and CoreOS has done a couple of really cool things um, around DNS and they're doing some, they have like signing and some stuff and stuff that Docker's already stated that they want too, so it's not like CoreOS went off and is innovated in a way that is a direction Docker wasn't maybe going, but you know, they maybe they're focused on that first while Docker's focused on more things, and so yeah it's not a matter of out innovating. It's just that they went and did. Hey, this was our this is the top of our backlog as we want signing, right? Right. And ultimately, though, when it comes down to it, you're talking about you know, the the way a container lands on a system, the way Linux run in, runs it, is completely the same. So yeah. the argument on this can really be: Do I like if you want to compare it like DevOps world? Do I write my install my web server in Chef or do I write it in Puppet? Okay. You're describing the same thing, but the way it lands may it ends up being. You know the, the settings, the end image, the way it launches ends up being the same kind of container. And in fact, CoreOS made a point recently where they actually um, are working on. I, I saw a demo that uh, Kelsey Hightower was doing here in Portland, where he demonstrated that they've actually got it where um, CoreOS can launch Docker images and run those as well now. Okay. And on top of that, I, I didn't like the next day they dropped an open PR which you referred to to the Docker itself, the Docker runtime that would add support for Docker to run ACI images. Now, there's a huge asterisk on that one. I mean, that's, it's a very cool thing in one way that they went and did that and say, hey, Docker, here's the way you can run our images, right? Because we have cross compatibility. Because we support yours, you'll support ours. Um, the problem, one problem with that is, and I would tell this core, core of all us guys, is it's a, it was a 38,000 line PR. <laughs> so that's a huge, huge nice. PR. So in, instead of writing a design document, um they wrote design, basically they wrote a design document in code and i don't actually actually think anything's wrong with that but people don't even look at that pr and think oh my gosh they should just commit it because even if docker loved the idea they would be like we got some due diligence here on a stable product with thousands of commits that so we should make sure this is stable for our customers right and so um outside of that there was some discussion there and you know solomon solomon's comments stand on their own and then he said Hey guys, this is this could be confusing, and I don't agree with this. And I think in a way, um, and in fact, on the Hacker News comment, Solomon mentioned, "Hey, you know, I, I had, you know, I kind of like the heads up on this, right?" So, in the end, we can we can look at the politics within the companies and stuff. And I, I've said I've said this before. I've met people on both those companies, and they're all really brilliant, very nice, nice people. And I and I really can't stand when press or external people. Um, like that get paid for drama, try to make it look like it's you know, they're all mad at each other because maybe they don't like each other's decisions, but they're actually all in the same boat. Ultimately the decision comes down with this whole ACI versus rocket stuff. There's a core difference in opinion. Docker sees their daemon mode is very valuable and a great control point and allows a lot of cool API extensions and things like pluggable networking, pluggable storage, and they got really good arguments for a lot of that stuff. CoreOS's rocket has no daemon. It's literally runnable by another service. And so you don't have to have – when you're running Rocket, you don't have to have something running on the system. And it, it, it's really hookable by other people much easier. It bootstraps on top of System D's ability to manage containers on Linux. So while Docker uses libcontainer and some of its own API layers to do stuff, um, Rocket is really just a thin – ACI implementation with some cool stuff on top of what System D does. And remember, Core OS is based on System D, and a lot of really amazing GoLang stuff.
0: Okay. So yeah, lots lots going on there. Not to mention, I'm sure it's it's got to be giving the folks over at Cisco fits talking about you know deploying application specific stuff using something called a, uh, ACI, which
2: Dude, oh my gosh! When that first launched, I was like, hey, did you guys Google that? Because Cisco's got does a lot of marketing with that word.
0: Yep, right, exactly. Yep. Well, you're not you haven't you haven't worked in technology long enough until you've overlapped somebody else's uh, acronym. So, welcome to the show, boys.
2: Yeah, I'm at Intel. There, there's there's whole departments that work with trying to generate names for our stuff.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's getting harder and harder between you find something that hasn't been used and has a domain available and exactly trademarks and registration and uh exactly yeah exactly so I i dealt with that a little bit when i was at citrix and uh you know trying to name one or two products and man that's something i never want to do again
0: yeah, it a, it a, it's a great way to have everybody just bash your ideas. So,
2: <laughs> yeah, no kidding.
0: So let's let's jump off of that stuff because, uh, again, like you said, there's lots of stuff to dive into. Uh, there's a little bit of politics, but
2: you know, there's a lot of nuance and so forth. So, well, I'm um, gonna I, I add one more thing to it. Sorry to stop yeah. the switch, but go ahead, dude. If, if you anybody who's interested in the Docker versus Rocket thing really needs to do, to go play with it because it's a very different experience. And I think a lot of people that focus on application writing, especially ones that use like JVM or if, if you're using certain kinds of things that maybe aren't quite as effective the core OS ecosystem necessarily out the gate, then you're probably going to find Docker a lot easier to get into. But if you're a person that's looking at like CoreOS as super lightweight OS and um, static binaries and super lightweight stuff and super scale, there's a whole, a whole wing of people who would look at core OS's implementation with Rocket and the ability to create tiny, fast spin up stuff. And there's vendors in the space who maybe aren't as, are a little more scared of be into Docker's ecosystem that find the Rocket one. It's like, oh, I can actually own Rocket. I can just manage that myself and inject that into my daemon. And so you'll you really, from a user standpoint, if you're an application user, you know, Docker may be a better fit, but you really should look at both and play with both because it's really a personal domain based problem to look at right now. And if, and a big thing I would like to say, is I've noticed a lot of people seem to be picking sides on the battle, but there's still a lot of open discussion going on. And so if you are if you look at that PR where CoreOS submitted their thing and there's something valuable in there, the best thing you can do is actually leave the GitHub comment and explain your use case and talk and email Docker, explain and email CoreOS. And I think the best thing we can be in this situation is is, is have the conversation on the open. And I actually like competition. I think the fact that um, Docker's doing their thing and Rocket's doing their thing actually makes it better for all the rest of us because you're, you're, there's people that are fighting for the better standard.
0: Yep.
1: yep. yep. No, it's, Agre- it's good. Agreed. Yeah, yep. and,
0: and all this stuff is super new anyway. So, I mean, it's it's got a long right. way to sort of shake out.
1: Yeah. And, right. and so, so Nick, to take you kind of one step further beyond just um, those two, what about kind of managing all this at scale? Um, I mean, numbers can get really big really quickly here. And, and like, at what point does things – like like Mesos, Marathon, Kubernetes. Like, when do these other things kind of kick in?
2: I, I think I, from what I'm hearing right now, there's there's people that are deploying stuff like Kuber um, in prod. Uh, I, uh, Kelsey was talking about it that you know he was at a, a London event and there was a lot of European people there that have really moved forward with Kubernetes for a lot of pieces. The problem is going to be, um, and and I don't really think Mesos or Kubernetes are. I don't think it's necessarily a binary decision between the two. I think they both filled certain niches. Um, Kubernetes, for me, the greatest value of Kubernetes is it implements an idea about application deployment in the pod design, which is unique. Like, if you actually go through Kubernetes code, it's pretty cool, but it's not going to, and I'm like, I can't, I'm going to say this, any Kubernetes people listening to this podcast, trust me, you're better coders than I am. But Kubernetes (laughs) code isn't going to be like, oh my gosh, that's the most insane thing ever. The Kubernetes code implements these ideas that the Kubernetes coders inside Google have done for a long time. So Google has surfaced and given us an example of a different way to think about deploying applications with containers in the pod concept. And it's the concept of that that is ultimately valuable. Then they just use some Golang to implement the idea, right? And that's what they're doing is they're marching for that idea and adding better value to it. Now, Mesos um, was this insanely powerful scheduler which was written to have a, a two-tier scheduling um, buildup so you can actually extend it for your application framework. So it's not just a thing like, hey, I'm going to make an amazing scheduler um, that does a really good job. And, you know, maybe pessimistic at first. Now they're making it, they are making they made it optimistic. But um, the, the thing is that I can actually write my application to get data from that scheduler and understand that scheduler and control it in a second-tier way. So I can actually make... Not only is it scheduling, you know, in our world, in our in the, in the previous world, we scheduled VMs, right? And so we you know, DRs and these other things would, would put VMs in the right place and move them around. But I can actually schedule my application by this framework exposure. So my application knows when certain pieces are going down or when they're over overrun, and I can scale them. And that's where Mesosphere comes in, is that they're an enterprise company that is working on making that much, you know, much easier to consume. Um, much uh, uh, much more open ended for end customers and all kinds of cool things and so it's 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 something where people can come in and actually th- switch over their applications to run intelligently in a cluster, and so it's different in concept. So Mesosphere is um, you 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 can port your application, or you can make an application that tightly couples, and Kubernetes is you should change the way you do applications where it natively does that, right? Gotcha.
0: Now hmm. you've got a you've got a company like Mesosphere who you know new company startup company, but essentially they're kind of trying to be like Cloudera was for Hadoop, right? The the formal company to take this this technology and, and go commercialize it. Are you seeing anybody, or are you hearing anybody doing that with Kubernetes? Um, or is it still mostly just Google guys who totally understand it and you really are kind of only playing with it, you know, through, through Google or just completely open source? Or are you hearing through different places, like there may be companies that are trying to commercialize Kubernetes as well?
2: I, I have not heard. Okay. Um, actually. I've actually wondered about that. I've kept my ear to the ground. Now I have met people who brought that up and really smart people that, you know, you know, maybe that's an idea. Um, but I I know of nobody that seriously has funds, money talking. And I think most of the ones that may be doing that probably are trying to keep that probably pretty quiet right now. Right. I mean here's the here's here's the thing. And again, I love Google. Um, Go is my favorite thing ever, and I've met some of the Kubernetes team. Um, and uh, there's an awesome Kubernetes uh, event in San Francisco next week on Wednesday evening um, that uh, is going to be amazing. That people should go attend if you if there's a waiting list now, but um, you should get on the waiting list to go attend to it because uh, it's it's a great a great event to go meet some of the Kubernetes team. But nobody nobody knows what to do with Google right now, or they're just now figuring it out, right? So Google had put stuff on the open, but historically they always put stuff on the open after they were kind of done with it, right? Right. It's like, hey, this is an amazing thing we did three years ago, and we've probably moved on to something way better. But, you know, we'll share it with you because, hey, we, we, you know, we're still differentiating on our new thing, and we're not greedy, and we'll share it. And, you know, maybe these co- we'll find some great college students who figure this out and make it better and then hire them into this new thing, right? It's a great way for them to um, push the envelope forward. But with, with Coober and with some of the other few things they've done recently, they're actually going, hey, you know, we realize we want to actually change the way IT works and the way applications work. And we're going to go do this out in the open and actually build the thing from scratch and make it open and take open contributors. And we'll actually spend time. They've hired people that go around explaining how it works. And and it's different. So people – I think it's it's a new paradigm that I – mean, up to this point, no one's built any – that I know of. Is no one's built a company based on Google open sourcing something, right? Like, who would have ever thought that happened? Right. And, and, and <laughs> right. Um, I mean I guess in a way some of the Hadoop stuff you can relate back to them. But – but not, not, not this close. And so it's new, and I think it's still settling out a bit. And I think Google themselves are changing their image and how they do this and how they interact with their customers and how they interact with the community. I mean, just the IPvLAN stuff that went into Linux recently was a major powerful feature. They just added in, and, and Linus committed it in, and off we go. And so it's cool to see Google doing this kind of stuff and getting more open. And um, I think it goes along. So this is my theory. on I think it goes along with what, like the Walmart lab stuff and goes along with the Target Labs and some of the stuff GE's doing, and that um, I, I think the, the openness of, com- of companies trying to do open source to expose certain areas to try to like um, capitalize on the shared goal thing is going to expand more. I think Google's just figured out that they, ha- they have people that are smart enough and um, strong enough at communication as well as coding that they can actually lead the industry in a way they think it's better to go.
0: Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if I would say they're good at communications, but uh, but they are super well, smart. Well, I,
2: I I think I think they I, well. I mean, let's see. I think they think they have the capability of going down that path, right? Yeah. It's yep. obvious. It's, you, you can you can Google and find Guava and um, you know all kinds of amazing Google libraries. I've used tons of them. Like yep. amazing Google libraries are out there. Java libs, tons of amazing Java libraries. Try to find a developer evangelist who will walk you how to use one of those Java libs. Doesn't exist. But if, you, if you're an important enterprise right now that wants to look at Kubernetes, um, you can go to a Kubernetes meetup right now and meet a developer advocate from Google who will help teach you not only how to use Kubernetes, but how to get it started up on GCE or started up privately and introduce you to people. So you can see Google's making the effort to, to open up and communicate more about the technology stack. Yep. And compared to, now here's the interesting thing to think about compared to Amazon, um, that's a little different, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Amazon still mostly is just trying to trying to teach you how to just, you know, sign up for their service. They're not really teaching so much their underlying technology because they don't want to share their technology in a lot yeah, of cases. Yeah, name,
2: name one open source Amazon right. thing. Yep. I yep. can't think
0: of one. So you, uh, so speaking of, of sort of more advanced container-y types of projects, uh the stuff the guys from the Cloud Foundry Foundation are doing, they're doing this thing called Lattice. What mm, is yeah. what is Lattice? Where does it fit? What's it what's it trying to do?
2: So Lattice is, is – is so here's the best way to describe Lattice. And I haven't actually I, – I have a guy on my team that's worked with it, and you know we're definitely playing with it in the lab and stuff. But personally, I haven't got a chance to deploy it. So I only know what I've read through the documentation. I look through the code a little bit and talk with some people. So I want to clarify that usually I'm super technical and I go into depth, but this one is not one I haven't played with personally, so I'm not going to claim like I know it all. Um, but this is what Lattice is to me. Lattice is, the same reason Docker got popular is because some Windows guy in 10 minutes can go Docker run with a Linux VM and off he goes and goes, wow, containers. Lattice is going to do that for Cloud Foundry. So Lattice is going to be, I want to I want to run Cloud Foundry and play with it. And wow, 10 minutes later, I, oh, I, wow, that's cool. I could do that. Now, and that's that, what Lattice is. Lattice is. Lattice is the ability to get going faster with lighter-weight deployments for, um, like, dev all the way up.
0: Okay, so so this isn't – I thought that's what Bosch was supposed to do. supposed to be this
2: super cool deployment tool for Cloud Foundry. This is different? Uh, Bosch, Bosch, is, Bosch is the ultimate deployment tool for Cloud Foundry. And, and, there, and there's discussions on, you know, long-term, what features does Bosch need to have in roadmap? You know, what, what should happen to Bosch and what should be added to Bosch? And how, can we, how can we be in the foundation? How can we make it better? It's a huge part of the foundation work is to like figure out ways and use cases to make that more powerful. But Bosch is like the Bosch is the thing you want to deploy and upgrade and manage your multi-million dollar paths with you know, millions and millions of dollars of, of, of revenue going through it. Lattice is what you want to do when you're deciding if you're going to go spend those millions of dollars. So okay. your guy can use his laptop and fire that sucker up. And it, it bootstraps into the Bosch stuff and it does – it manages all that for you, but ultimately what it is is it's like – it's that Docker run, right? It's that okay. so this is, so clone like, it down, set it up, deploy it, bam, I've got myself in a running Cloud Foundry instance, and I can actually do some cool stuff with it. So
0: Bosch is, Bosch is Chef or Puppet, and Lattice is like Vagrant.
2: Yeah, closer to it, yeah. And I think okay. – I, I believe Lattice is actually using – it's actually meant to be used with Vagrant, but it's that kind of concept, right? Okay. Lattice is the is the more frictionless way to play and use and – um. And maybe one day do more. Again, I'm not, I'm not as close to the the Lattice thing. I actually even find out about till a couple months ago. Um, and I guess
0: mid December. Now, is Lattice also the framework for kind of any container technology under the covers, or is that something different?
2: No, no. The container based stuff. It, so ultimately, in Cloud Foundry stack, the container thing is called Warden. Right. And this is the funny thing. I mean, and I'm not, gonna, I'm not dising Cloud Foundry here because I, I, I figure Andrew Clay Schaefer might have built this. But I've noticed a lot of companies are starting to re- release these. Roadmaps on container stuff, and anybody who ever did anything with containers will release one of these pictures of the road, like the history of containers, to make sure and put themselves in the history, right? Yeah. And it's hilarious because <laughs> everybody's somehow in the history of containers out of nowhere, and because it's a thing, right? So you see these like these diagrams, and I've seen like four of them, and legitimately, Cloud Foundry was in there because Cloud Foundry did build Ward like years and years and years ago, and it's been very solid. In fact, it's been the core piece of why Cloud Foundry exists for a long time. And considering that you know, dot cloud, which built Docker, was also a PaaS, you've got to wonder if it was if Docker wasn't influenced for the same background that Warden was influenced from, right? Mm-hmm. So with all that, Diego is the real new hot stuff about managing Warden based with Docker support or you know, Docker-based images as well. But ultimately, if you wanna look at the you know, the Docker is the runtime for containers the Docker ecosystem and uh, Rocket is the runtime in an ACI-based ecosystem, and you know Warden has a runtime that for native Cloud Foundry. All those things can, you can be swapped out, right? I can use any one of these three. Above that, you've got your Mesosphere and your Kubernetes, which are clustering and deploying into containers, and then you have things like Diego and Cloud Foundry, which have been doing that for a long time as well, and Diego is a clustering, short-term running job, so fire this thing up, it starts, and it stops, so batch running job stuff. And long-term running job stuff with a scheduler. Diego has a scheduler in it. It uses an auction-based scheduler similar to what you find in the other ones. And so what's really cool is um, you know, it's possible for Cloud Foundry to not only support um, the old Warden-based um, image format they were using for firing these things up, but they can also support um, – in Diego, they're supporting Docker-based images, and they can add support for Rocker ACI-based images. So Cloud Foundry can be like, hey, which one do you guys want to use? We support all three, right? And the gotcha. same thing can be happening with Mesos. And the same thing can be happening with Kubernetes. Now, some of them have made, made um, have made it clear that they are going to support one or the other one, but in my head, I can't remember which one's doing which, so I don't want to say which one I think is doing which because I don't remember.
0: Right. Now, you know, something like Cloud Foundry and all the stuff it does, it's doing a lot of different things. And then you've got, you know, where it could be managing containers, could be managing VMs, whatever. Um, but it's got you know it's got scheduling functions and and other functions like that you know like you said keep track of load balancers keep track of queues do you do you see the 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 uh, mesos and mesospheres and kubernetes of the world kind of picking up a bunch of that functionality and people going you know why do I need a full blown sort of structured PaaS when I could you know do this sort of unstructured type of PaaS thing or are they do they become complementary
2: or I think they, I think it could be a mixture of each. And again, I, I don't know if we know. I don't know. I don't know if the customers know what they want outside of PaaS. So PaaS has been around long enough, and um, it fits the it fits a lot of customers' existing application models pretty well. Mm-hmm. Because I, I pick your language, and it's going to work. I, I've got the execution environment for it, and I understand most of your major um, uh, services systems. And the the context and the language is very well aligned to an application developer. So PaaS is kind of already there. But the Mesosphere's and the other ones have kind of got this new thing, and, and a lot of them are missing major features, and so it's it's rough. I mean, if you're a person that all you do is deploy on bare metal a, a, a single app which looks the same everywhere and points back to this massive vertical database which is hard coded, you could probably use Mesosphere because you're not going to deploy the database as a part of Cloud Foundry, and you don't need off, and you don't need um, you don't need load balancing the same way because you're just going to blam it around or you're going to point a huge F5 in front of it or something, and your stack is so simple and your use case is so much more simple like HPC-like in its model, the Mesosphere may be a little more attractive if there's certain pieces of it you want um, that, and again, I, I, right now I struggle to find an exact one other other than the fact that maybe you want to write your application to to hard tie in the Mesosphere right? Mm-hmm. Um, but Cloud Foundry kind of has all of that at an easier to consume level now so in a way, the basic use cases that are are in PaaS that would be for Cloud Foundry or those kind of style things have are, are a bit harder to convert over to the Kubernetes and Mesos, right? But just because they don't have the features. Yep. But you know, as time changes, it you know this could change. We'll see what happens. And and you mentioned the complementary thing because there's no reason why you couldn't have um, Kubernetes pod stuff deploy to um, Cloud Foundry backed execution environments that wire all the things to it. And same thing with Mesosphere. There's no reason you couldn't have scheduling that you link into, where Cloud Foundry brings up environments that can or that are provided to Mesosphere to schedule, which have all the right things in it. So Mesosphere can worry about scheduling into these environments that are pre-wired for Cloud Foundry with Auth. And so you can actually make combos of these things. But all that's really new and unproven, and so it's 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 hard to tell where it's gonna go. Yep. Yeah. That makes and sense. And I don't think there's ever one winner. Um, I think I think how the market divides will be interesting and I think Cloud Foundry has I mean it's it's kind of wrong to ask me what I think with that because I am the Cloud Foundry board so obviously I have an investment <laughs> in Cloud I mean I mean I'm behind, I'm backing Cloud Foundry as I want it to win but ultimately competition's good so if Mesosphere does something cool you know and Cloud Foundry adds it awesome we both win and the use cases ultimately decide this and also the Diego stuff. I mean, honestly, the Diego stuff was so brilliant in the way they executed it, and um, a lot of the patterns and a lot of the patterns we're talking about from the Pod style, from the meso scheduler, all these things are all open source software, right? So once you break the ice on some of these ideas, uh, there's nothing wrong with copying and implementing it if ultimately it benefits open source and everyone in the end. Yep. Yep. Wow.
1: So, so Nick. Well, as as like, tell us a little bit about the board. So, what have you done on the board so far? What are the plans? Like, you know, now that you're big shot on the board, tell us what it's like. Oh,
2: I am not a big shot on the board. That, <laughs> that's that's not true. There are there are big there are big shots on the board, and I am not one of the big shots. That's not true. Um, I you know I I I'm not sure what I can tell. So you know, board. I'm learning, you know, boardroom discussions and boardroom discussions, and I don't understand why I'm in the room No, um,
0: is there is there a special Cloud Foundry Foundation building that you know, like the no, doors no. open up and it's like big no, rocks no. and
2: stuff? We, and... We, we, we we find a conference room and sit on the floor and with our laptops, <laughs> and a couple of us are writing code while the other ones are arguing. And no, nah, it's it's awesome. <laughs> it's no, I mean, it's really it's this is my first board experience, obviously, and I didn't know what to expect. And then I walk in the room, and it's just a bunch of veteran engineers and tech leaders talking about how to make something better and i was like this is kind of cool you know i i I guess i didn't know what to expect but for a for a for an open source foundation it was really pragmatic and and kind of cool because it's literally like you're not trying to you're just trying to make the best thing um open source to solve the problem and you're all invested for different reasons some of the ones in the room are wanting to build and provide services like IBM on top of the core stuff. Some of us, like Intel, just want to make sure that we make our, our our hardware and the software that links into it. We just want to make sure we we run Cloud Foundry really well for our customers. If our customers want Cloud Foundry, we have a responsibility to make sure our customers have a good experience with it, right? So we're trying to make sure we're there for our customers. And so the motivations are all different, but ultimately we have this shared goal. And it's really cool because you end up with this kind of um, – kumbaya kind of we're on the same boat feeling and it's it's friendly and it's open and there were awesome discussions i think the coolest part though is that i got an introduction to the linux foundation and walked away going wow those those guys and girls are awesome because they're sharp they're to the point they kind of cut the bs quickly and then they brought sam in and he just he's just awesome he just owns it he's so positive I mean, uh, you, you walk the, out of that room feeling so like – or even a call with them. I had a one-on-one with them, and I left the call feeling so motivated to go do stuff. Yeah. And so I mean, maybe maybe I'm naive and maybe, you know, the first well, board and yelling Li- and stuff, but Linux, I, I'm excited.
0: All the Linux folks have been trained by, by Linus, like be to the point, don't mess around. He will destroy you in an email. So that, you know, they've all been trained.
2: <laughs> and they've all, yeah, maybe that's all yeah, learned you know, by fire. Maybe that's it. I, it's just I was really surprised because um, I got to meet some really cool people – and even like the you know there was, there was a gentleman who the the, the VMware board member is someone that used to be in my organization when I worked at VMware and I know who he is and he's an awesome guy and um the John the EMC guy I mean he's amazing right I mean you know who he is Yep John Rose Yep and yeah and um I get to uh, meet Chris from IBM who's brilliant and sharp and um and I'm still gonna do something know some of the other words but um you know it was it was cool it's just like. I felt, like, I felt like it was an honor to be in that room, be able to discuss stuff and learn from the, the board members. So that was my personal experience about it. Now, outside of that, from an Intel perspective, we feel there's a lot to be done, and um, we feel like there's a lot to help with, and, and we're, just, we, we're in the middle of figuring it out. Hey, how do we, how do we go forward and, and, and win by commits? Like, How do we go write code and test stuff and figure out you know, what our customers need and how do we make that happen?
0: Cool. So, Aaron, pretty much, this is the last time Nick's ever going to talk to us. We're we're yeah, yeah, way, way. No, no. There's
2: there's a joke in my team that I have no idea. Um, I have no idea what my title is. I just I show up and then I leave and then think, why was I there? And it's just never going (laughs) to leave. So, I'll take any invitation anybody ever gives me because because I keep forgetting that, I'm I'm anything. I forget that I'm a board member. Five seconds after I walk into the room.
1: There you go. Hey, so so let me ask you this then. Um kind of not related to the the board stuff per se but but so you obviously dig really deep into all these technologies that that a lot of us kind of know the names of and you're you're you know you even have a lot of stuff that people don't even know necessarily or or haven't hit mainstream yet what what is like the most exciting thing in like the you know either paths or container ecosystems that that's kind of new and exciting and interesting to you these days
2: the mo- this is so it really is the container stuff it, it is but it's not containers on itself what what excites me is this it excites me to think that google's saying hey guys we've done some cool things in running super scale data centers let me let us show you kind of what we did right take that and then go companies like walmart and i know people have been joking around about the whole walmart thing but and I tease about it a little bit, but really, Walmart's saying we're gonna hire a bunch of really smart people and have them do stuff and and work in the open. And then on top of that, we're, we got these new schedulers and new things that are saying, hey, you can actually manage bulk resources. And, and you know, VMware's actually had a bunch of stuff too with the native apps team where they're doing contributions and they're getting involved as well. But we get to this point where, and I have a whole presentation I'm doing. I'm actually doing it at the next Cloud Connect, which I think is in Vegas. I have to go look at my calendar. But I have this whole talk I do on. This is kind of the next evolution in, in data center, and it's it's the idea of, of, of really getting we, – we, we had automation as an idea, right? We had this idea that we're going to automate configuring a web servers and automating this, automating that. We, we're still a human, wants something, and it goes and does it. And I think we're getting to a point now where we're changing the way applications look, the way they live, the way they're deployed, and the way they're controlled to a point where the, the systems can make the decisions on stuff that used to be human decisions, where that intelligence pops in. And that gets me excited. I think that's only I think it's I think it's the sum of the parts. I think the container thing happening, I think the open source stuff happening, I think I'm thinking more companies investing in the cloud in this way. Um I, I call it I joke when I say it's the post cloud thing, right? But I think the post cloud thing for me is when you get the sum of these parts, so if we can expose awesome like awesome telemetry from systems and you have these schedulers that can take that information and figure out and make amazing decisions. Um, what can we take out of the human element? If you take out the human element, you get this better density, you get better cluster, you get all these cooler things, and then all of a sudden it makes it much, much easier to consume, and that's the key for me, is 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 the the easier we make portions of our technology stack and what we deploy, and I beat this so many times in all my presentations, but technology is completely freaking useless by itself until it does something for a human being, and humans like to consume things, you know, the whole Jevons Paradox thing, right? And the easier it makes this stuff for us to eat, right? The easier computing is to eat, to go do stuff, to scale it, the less work we do between getting from point A to point C, um, the thinner that B is in consumption, the more we're going to use it, which turns into the more crazy shit we get in our lives. And that's what excites me. It's like, it's like the more we can the, – these, these things are developing are turning into parts that we start assembling into these new paradigms and it's the paradigm that excites me, right? It's like, it's like you know, okay, so I've got containers I've got these APIs and I've got these images and I can wrap up my apps and i got these things I can schedule them on that are smart enough to eat tens of thousands of servers and just manage it all and then I can wire my applications to be intelligent and um, I can make servers smarter in the way they expose this stuff up for better control and I can make networks smarter and I can make storage smarter. I mean, at what point does does what we thought cloud what we thought infrastructure as a service change into something way cooler
0: very very yeah. interesting interesting stuff man and the good news is you're smart enough to figure all this stuff out the oh, rest no no no,
2: no no no! i'm smart enough to have like some passionate idea in my head um execution's always you know a whole second tier to something like that
0: <laughs> well very cool man well, we've been talking for a while um, i think we're gonna wrap it up uh, real quick um Obviously, folks know where to find you. It's links bat. Any any new uh, stuff that you've where people can go stalk you, or any projects that are public that you're putting out there?
2: No, I'm, I'm I actually did. I am actually working on a personal internal project. I may eventually pop out there. But other than just a Twitter Twitter feed like usual and catching me at events, I am speaking at the next Cloud Connect. I think in Vegas. And I am speaking at GlueCon. They gave me a whole 15 minutes. So I'm totally excited about those 15 minutes. It's going to be awesome. I'm going to go up there and say a whole bunch of crazy stuff and then say, thank you very much. And walk off stage with no answers. There you go. Um, <laughs> no, is a joke. Um, I, but my session title is awesome. So I, I wrote a session title. that's try to attract the most people. So you have to go look it up yourself to find out what it is. Um, right, but those man. are the best places to catch me. And then also, if anybody wants to pay me, Twitter is always going to be the best thing. Very cool. All
0: right, man, well, you want to wrap it up and uh, take us home?
2: Yeah,
1: absolutely. If you like the show, please tell a friend and leave us a review on iTunes. Um, You can follow us on Twitter at thecloudcastnet or on the web at thecloudcast.net where you can find links to everything Cloudcast. Thanks for listening, everybody. I'm begging you. Please subscribe all the other shows have way more listeners and it makes us sad. Hashtag sadface.